0: Oh, hey, this is Josh Colline with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI. And on today's program, we're here to talk about... Cumbia! Cumbia is a music style that began in coastal Colombia has since become the most widespread music in Latin America. It's played from the Texas borderlands down through the Andes, all the way to the tip of Patagonia. Cumbia is everywhere. And today, we trace its path as it weaves its way through history and popular culture. Coming up, we learn about the psychedelic
1: cumbias of 1960s Peru. And Noifachin claims that he wrote all of his songs under the influence of ayahuasca.
0: Then we delve into the shantytown cumbia that turned Argentina upside down in 2001. It's almost like Argentinians were hearing a gangster
2: rap for the first time. Suddenly the lyrics were saying things that middle-class Argentina didn't want to hear.
0: And we visit a Mexican sonidera party in New York's outer boroughs. <laughs> All that ahead on our special hip-deep edition, the Cumbia Diaspora, from Colombia to the world. But first, some music. Straight from Monterey, Mexico, this is Señor Celso Pina with Cumbia Poder. Cumbia Poder from Mexican Cumbia legend, Salso Pina. I'm Georges Colinet with a special hip-deep edition, the Cumbia Diaspora from Colombia to the world, on Afropop Worldwide. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. To start us off, we're going to talk to this guy. Hello, I'm Jace Clayton. Jace, a.k.a. DJ Rupture, is a writer and DJ who specializes in global music. A few years ago, he became very interested in Cumbia.
2: And the more I started digging and learning about this music, the more fascinated I became because it localizes so interestingly everywhere it goes. You know, so it started in Colombia, but it was doing amazing things in Peru in the 70s. You know, it's doing fascinating things in Dallas, Texas in the start of the 2000s. So the story of Kumbi is a story of regional adaptations of Kumbi, people taking their sound and then tweaking it to whatever it is that they like
0: and sort of integrating it. And that is exactly what our program today is all about. How and why did this one genre splinter into so many forms and end up taking over a continent? To help us answer that question, we've enlisted an expert.
3: My name is uh, Hector fernandez Loeste, and I teach Latin American
0: Cultural Studies at Georgia State University. Hector is the editor of an upcoming anthology titled All the Cumbias, and he's going to help us figure out how Cumbia became this from this. Originally, cumbia was one of many rhythms played in colonial Colombia, by afro Colombians on the Caribbean coast. Ok, fast forward. Oops, too far. In the early 20th century, cumbia was played by accordion-led groups. Then, as American jazz begins to have an impact in Colombia, we get big band-style cumbias. In
3: a way, it was a measure to have other audiences, that is, audiences from larger
0: cities inland with a very different sensibility. For example, here's Chippy Chippy, a 50s-era cumbia by Los Melodicos
4: a comparar un avioncito para volar en nuestra luna de miel ay amor te voy a comparar un trencito para viajar en nuestra luna de miel escucha como dice al caminar no ya
0: Los Melodicos from Venezuela, one of the first countries to catch the Cumbia craze. The Colombian big bands of the time toured abroad, but real international impact wasn't made until Cumbia's next stage. In 1954, legendary Cumbia record label Discos Fuentes moved from the coast to Medellin in the interior, the new capital of the music industry. As Cumbia moved away from the coast, its rhythm became simplified. In the 60s, new smaller combos developed a style that was sometimes called Chuku Chuku. Here's one Chuku Chuku, that's the way it
3: sounds. That would be it. It was pretty much the sound created by an instrument called the guacharaca, which is a long tube that basically you scratch. The, the end result was a very simple rhythm.
0: One so-called Chuku band was Los Graduados. This is their classic Aguardientaski, sung in Russified Spanish.
5: Sirvame una guardia en Toski Con limón Soski, cantineroski Y tranquilos que hermanoski Que yo tengo Ski, con que pagoski Es que estoy muy contentoski Porque yo andoski con mi si toski Y quiero Ski esta noche oski, Darle un besoski en la boquitoski Oh, oh, sí. Sírvame una aguardiente, en Tosqui con Pasantosqui de Limón soski. Y sírvale a mi amor Sosqui un Rondoblosqui con Coca-Colosqui Sírvame una aguardiente, en Tosqui con Pasantosqui de Limón soski. Y sírvale a mi amor Sosqui un Rondoblosqui con Coca-Colosqui que a mí me gustó Ski yeah. Y sirva aquí lo mismo Ski Que me siento aquí, muy borracho yeah. Tráigame aquí, un paquete aquí, De cigarrillos Ski americanos aquí. Y tráigame la cuenta Ski Que ya me voy pa' mi casa Ski <risa> Vamos Ski, Sirvame una guarrientosqui con pasantosqui de limonzosqui Y sirvale a mi amorzosqui un rondoblosqui con coca-colosqui Sirvame una guarrientosqui con pasantosqui de limonzosqui Y sirvale a mi un
0: con coca That was Los Graduados playing the simplified cumbia called Chucu Chucu. Hector Fernandez Loeste
3: This cumbia is easily packaged and sold abroad. It's a very simple package that almost anyone, without formal schooling, can embrace and immediately start playing. And that's a huge
0: appeal. In the late 60s, Cumbia starts to really travel. Bands like Los Graduados and La Sonora Dinamita became very popular around Latin America. Hector says Cumbia was allowed to penetrate because it was never strongly identified with Colombian nationalism and wasn't seen as threatening. Its origin was irrelevant. What was relevant was that
3: it conveyed this idea of the tropics and that that idea of the tropics could be consumed and could be adapted to a local context.
0: The first place it takes off is Mexico. By the seventies, Cumbia has invaded the repertoires of big pop singers like Rigotova. By the way, we have a whole program all about musica tropical in Colombia that you can stream on our website. If you want to find out more about the Colombian part of the story, that's afropop.org slash We'll get to Mexico later. Right now, we are heading south to
1: Peru. I was traveling in Peru, really traveling, also looking for music, because that's what I do when I travel a lot.
0: This is Olivier Conan, a Frenchman who lives in Brooklyn and runs an indie record label called Barbes Records. We asked Olivier how he fell in love with the Peruvian Cumbia sound known as Chicha. So Olivier's in Peru.
1: I was buying bootleg records uh, on the street and talking to this woman who said, Oh, you probably would like that. It's, uh, you know, they're really, really old cumbias. And she started playing me uh, Los Mirros and uh, Juan Combo, the classic Amazonian uh, cumbia. And I was like, yeah, I do like it. And I bought about as many records as I could after that. And uh, I was completely amazed by it.
0: Olivier went on to produce a series of chicha compilations and got deep into the music's history. As the story goes, Cumbia became big in Peru in 1967, around the time it was spreading all around Latin America. At the same time, rock and roll was exploding around the world and kids in Lima were listening to local garage bands, like Los Psychos. Before long, the sounds collide and Cumbia takes on the instrumentation of a rock band.
1: they started using electric guitars uh, and they just replaced all the melodic lines that were played on the accordion by uh, electric guitar. That alone gave it a very distinctive sound.
0: Let's hear a track from Los Destellos, the first major Peruvian cumbia band. Here's Elsa. Peruvian cumbia from Los Destellos. Rock and roll, cumbia, Brazilian and Cuban music, it was all mashed up in the new sound. Los Destellos were in Lima, but there was also a big cumbia movement happening in the oil boom cities of the Peruvian Amazon.
1: So a few Amazonian bands start playing almost around the same time as Los Destellos in, in Lima. The most famous and the most influential of all those bands is Juan Sucombo from uh, the city of Pucallpa.
0: On the covers of their old LPs, Juaneco and Sukombo are holding shiny electric guitars and are decked out in the garb of the Shipibo, the indigenous Amazonians of the region.
1: Noifachin, the guitar player from Juaneco, was his nickname was El Brujo, the, uh, the witch doctor. He was very interested in the culture, and he was especially interested in ayahuasca.
0: That's the hallucinogenic vine found in the Amazon and used for religious rituals by the Shipibo.
1: And Noifachin claims that he wrote all of his songs under the influence of ayahuasca. He wrote good songs too, so I'm tempted.
0: <laughs> of course, here's Juaneco Isucombo, psychedelic cumbia from the Peruvian Amazon. That was El Llanto de Ayay Mama. Up until about 1974, Cumbia was music for all parts of society, but that quickly changed. Lima urbanized very quickly as poor migrants from the highlands streamed in, many escaping political violence in the interior. The new wave of Cumbia had strong Andean musical influences. It was geared towards the new migrants and hated by the elites.
1: That's when it loses its cultural value in a way, because nobody talks about it. You know, it's not in the newspapers, it's not on TV. Even if if people like Chacalón can sell a million records, they're invisible to the rest of Peru. So that's really when it lost,
0: when it became big, uh, which is kind of a, a paradox. This is also when Peruvian cumbia becomes known as chicha, named after a traditional alcoholic drink from the Andes. It wasn't meant as a compliment.
1: In Peru, where you say something is chicha, it means it's crass, it's low class, thieves are chicha, uh, that president is chicha, uh, the yellow press is la la prensa chicha.
0: The first chicha megastar was a singer named Chacalon. We called up someone who knew Chacalon very, very well. José Carballo was Chacalón's guitarist and
4: arranger.
0: In reality, says, the migrants were hard-working people with a hard life, who woke up at four in the morning every day to labor for little money. Chacalon and the band wrote songs that spoke to that sense of suffering.
1: Here's Olivier Conant. They talk about getting up early and looking for work or working hard or uh, uh, being sad and drinking. There's a sense of great sadness and pride and tragedy that all is meshed up in in, in one feeling that's kind of the pride of being a a Provinciano.
0: The life of the Provinciano, the Andean migrant, is celebrated in one of Chacalón's most famous songs. Here is Atrabajar, Going to Work. From Chacalón, Olivier Conan's compilations are called The Roots of Chicha, and they are available on Barbès Records. José Campayo is working on a book about Chicha history, so stay tuned. More info and great Chicha videos can be found on our website. That's AfroPop.org. Coming up on our show, we see what happens to Cumbia when financial crisis hits Argentina, plus a trip to a Mexican Cumbia party in New York. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Okay, next up on our Cumbia road trip, Argentina. When you think of Argentina, tropical dance music is probably not the first thing that comes to mind. But Cumbia has a long history in Argentina. First, there was Los Huabancos, a band made up of Colombian and Costa Rican students attending Argentinian universities. They had a big hit in 1967 with Villa Cariño.
1: Amor. Villa
4: Cariño, bosque, alojamiento, bastan cuatro ruedas y de reglamento.
6: Villa Cariño, bosque, alojamiento, bastan cuatro ruedas y luz de reglamento. Es un hermoso bosque alojamiento donde el romance marcha sobre ruedas donde basta la luz de reglamento para quedarse allá hasta que uno quiera. Villa, cariño, bosque, alojamiento bastan
4: cuatro ruedas y luz de reglamento. Villa, cariño, bosque,
6: alojamiento bastan cuatro ruedas y luz de reglamento. Es una extraña villa de emergencia coronada de coches cual ninguna Popular y discreta residencia, que como velador tiene la luna. Villa cariño, bosque, alojamiento, bastan cuatro ruedas y luz
4: reglamento. Villa cariño, bosque, alojamiento, bastan cuatro ruedas y luz de reglamento. basta en quattro ruedas sin un reglamento Villa
6: Cariño voz de alojamiento basta en quatro ruedas sin un de reglamento es una sucursal motorizada del antiguo paraíso terrenal donde hay siempre una Eva estacionada hablando de manzanas con Adam
0: Villa Carino from 1967 Cumbia developed a strong following in Argentina over the decades Meanwhile, the Eurocentric middle classes continued to listen to rock and didn't pay cumbia much attention. And then, the economy exploded. Economic crisis in Argentina turned the nation upside down. In December of 2001, citizens took to the streets. They protested, ransacked supermarkets, and clashed with police. That January, the peso collapsed, and Argentinians found that their lifelong savings disappeared almost overnight. It's no coincidence that at the exact same time, a new music style arrived that would challenge Argentinians' concept of their culture and society. It was called Cumbia Villera.
7: Somos delincuentes, vamos de caño con antecedentes. Robamos blindados locutorios y mercados, no nos cabe una, estamos rejugados. Vendemos sustancia y autonestoriamos. Hacemos de primera salideras en los bancos, somos estafadores, piratas de la asfalto. Todos nos conocen por los reyes de la FANO. Llegamos al loco y los queremos las manos de todos arriba, porque al primero que echa de la por pancho y careta le vamos a dar.
0: That was from Los Pibes Choros, or Thieving Kids. Villera is cumbia from the Villas, the shanty towns that fan out from prosperous Buenos Aires center.
3: The peak of Villera is after the economic debacle, after the fall of the Argentine economy. Ethnomusicologist Hector Fernández Lueste. You have, all of a sudden, you have a sizable portion of the Argentine population no longer identifying itself as as middle class. All of a sudden, they view themselves as poor. And here comes uh, a musical genre that addresses that new sensibility, that touches topics, themes, subjects, having to do with that new reality.
0: Cumbia Villera was invented almost single-handedly by a guy named Pablo Lescano.
2: You know, he was super, super open. I can't imagine a nicer, multi-millionaire, incredibly famous musician.
0: That's Jace Clayton, AKA DJ Rapture. In 2008, Jace met Pablo Lescano in Buenos Aires on assignment for Fader Magazine.
2: I wanted to meet him because he, he really pioneered a genre. And what Pablo Lescano did was bring in, you know, bring in real talk about life in the villa, you know, life in the the ghetto, as it were, you know, bring in talk about drugs and about sex and about violence and essentially all these social themes, the sort of darker side of social reality that was becoming more and more relevant for the larger and larger sections of the Argentinian population as the economy tanked. um, He put that in Cumbia and in addition to the lyrical innovations, he Developed a really amazing keyboard playing style. He's got a
0: keyboard. It's a guitar, kind you wear like a guitar, painted over with the image of an AK-47. It's a really
2: um it's almost like a it's like a cheap, acidic, and very potent sound. Very, very treble. <laughs> And so it's one of these rare moments where a musical innovator can both push the lyrical content and make a new progressive sound with the music and then have it hit a nerve, an incredible nerve. You know, it just kind of took off overnight.
0: Lescano's band is called Damas Gratis. This is their Los Dueños del Pabellón. Otra vez. Whoop-y, whoop-y. That's Pablo Lescano with Damas Gratis. After Lescano, hundreds of Cumbia Vieira bands popped up.
6: Carlos, ¿qué Ahí está Télez. Intentó meter esa pelota así que te venía vale peor. El, oso. El oso.
0: Even soccer star Carlos Tevez started a Villera band. And Cumbia began to feel the weekend TV reviews.
6: Vamos a dar las palmitos bien arriba. Haciendo palmas, 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 palmas. Porque en el próximo bloque aquí en Pasión de Sábado.
4: Cierra un grande. La vuelta más que esperada en Pasión. Pablo Lezcano.
0: The Villeros referred to themselves proudly as Los Negros or the Blacks, a term long used by elites in Argentina as an insult towards the nation's poor. They sang of drinking cheap wine, abusing drugs and committing robberies, taking stereotypes that had been hurled at them for decades and flipping them around into badges of honor. Mainstream Argentinian society was enraged. Here's Jace. It's almost like Argentinians were hearing a
2: gangster rap for the first time because it was explicit lyrics, you know, it's a form that was already looked down upon and then suddenly the lyrics were were saying things that middle class Argentina didn't want to hear.
3: In many cases, for the first time ever, Argentines have to consume, view, deal with something that comes from a portion of their reality that they don't want to deal with. They don't even want to admit that's another Argentina and it's an Argentina that matters. So to that extent, Cumbia Villera is a very important cultural product.
0: middle-class Argentinians chafe and even the mansion of Cumbia, some bands from the other side of town have been inspired by the Villera movement to experiment with the sounds. One such group is called Fantasma. Here they are with Mueve Lo Que Sube.
4: Paricar de los dientes como vampiro,
7: Y hacerle más de diapropata indecente La niña si quieres angelical Cuando balanceas en la pista al bailar Pero cuando me enseñas tu lado sensual Frío me recorre la espina dorsal
0: That was Fantasma. Okay, it's time to visit one last country. Mexico has long been a cultural and economic powerhouse in Latin America and was a magnet for Colombian bands as early as the 50s.
3: In Colombia, Mexican culture was very important. So the idea of exporting Colombian music to Mexico was very appealing.
0: Today, the cumbia rhythm has penetrated every variety of regional Mexican music. Here's a taste of cumbia norteño style. From Los Tigres del Norte, this is Cumbia del Amor. Una
8: estrella fugaz te alcanzaría mm-hmm. Una luna y un sol te bajaría Lo que tú me pidieras te daría Porque tú eres mi amor y mi alegría De tus lágrimas perlas yo te haría Y tu boca en clavel convertiría De tu risa preciosa melodía Porque tú eres mi amor y mi alegría
0: Cumbia del Amor, from Los Tigres del Norte. Cumbia isn't just in Norteño music. Cumbia is in banda music. It's played by mariachi. And it's a big part of Mexican pop, like the music of Selena, the queen of Tejano music who died tragically in 1995.
9: Cada vez. Cada vez que lo veo
10: pasar.
0: The city of Monterrey specializes in Colombian-style cumbia and even have a subculture of young people who call themselves Colombias. But one of the most interesting forms of all is called cumbia sonidera or sound system cumbia, which evolved out of open-air cumbia street parties. Ethnomusicologist Kathy Ragland teaches about the music at the University of Texas. She told us how she accidentally stumbled into the sonidera world in the outer boroughs of New York City, back when she was working on her PhD.
11: I had to do a a fieldwork project and I was looking for something to do. And I was walking around in my neighborhood of Astoria, Queens, and I noticed uh, these flyers.
0: Flyers advertising Mexican
11: cumbia parties. And I said, well, This is interesting. What is this about? And so she showed up at the party. And it was just a small restaurant. The tables were cleared out and replaced
0: with giant speaker cabinets.
11: Streamers everywhere and balloons and all of this kind of stuff.
0: Kathy was surprised to see that instead of a band, there were DJs playing CDs and speaking into a microphone.
3: Fumo mota, con perico le pongo al cemento
11: and then what really kind of struck me was that everybody was sort of handing off these notes to the DJ and uh, he was reading them over the music I mean you could hear the music you could hear the rhythm and people were dancing to it but yet it was being talked over completely and I was just fascinated by this
3: York.
11: He's reading these things and then tossing them onto the floor, so I kind of start picking them up off the floor. <laughs> and people thought I was a little strange, but...
0: <laughs> On the notes were salutations, little messages or poems dedicated to family and friends in Mexico or elsewhere in the U.S. And Kathy realized that by reading the messages out loud... The DJ was somehow closing the long distance that separated the authors from their loved ones back home.
11: The Sonidero was really about transporting you to that place. And in fact, I noticed that the DJs tended to use a lot of this sort of spaceship kind of um, sounds that, you know, and, and talking about transporting you from one place to the other. And sometimes they would talk about, well, we've just landed and we're in Mexico. I was really taken by that imagery and that ability to travel. It's particularly when I started to talk to some of these guys, and they talked about how they were never able to travel back home because they were undocumented.
0: Francisco Flores, a.k.a. Sonido Candela, is one of New York City's biggest sonideros.
3: He's showing us his portable cabinet of audio equipment, full of
0: voice-altering reverbs and delays. He even has a CD printer on board to sell copies of his set after the show, salutations and all.
3: If I'm playing, and you send me a for someone who lives in Mexico,
0: Candela says that these recordings often find their way back to Mexico.
3: He says
0: it's a way of sending a message, of saying, I'm okay, I'm having fun, I'm here, and I'm sending you a greeting. Here's Kathy Ragland
11: the music is really loud, and I think that you can be loud, you can have a you know a loud voice, whereas that's not happening pretty much in their daily lives. I mean, still in New York City, the Mexican immigrant population, the numbers are around 80% that are still undocumented. That's a large percentage of people who are living under the radar and unable to really live their lives and express themselves as freely as you or I do. And I think that these dances offer that opportunity
0: Let's hear a cumbia from north of the border. From Texas, this is the Cumbia Kings. The Cumbia Kings. Funding for AfroPop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art. And PRI, Public Radio International, affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional support for AfroPop Worldwide comes from Post Mambo Studies, taking you to Cuba, January two to the eleventh, twenty twenty. For Tierra Sagrada, a program of Afro Cuban religious activities with drums. Info at Postmambo.com. That's info at POSTMAMBO.com. And from WOMEX. The showcase, marketplace, and seminar for world and roots music in Tampere, Finland, October 23rd through 27. More info at Womex.com. Today we heard cumbia stories from Peru, Argentina, and Mexico. Just the tip of the cumbia iceberg, so to speak. Visit our website, afropop.org, to find out about Cumbia from all the countries we didn't have time to get to today. Each country's story is very different, but they all have a common thread. Here's Hector fernandez Loeste.
3: I would have to say that the story of Cumbia is the story of sectors of society that have been forsaken by the national order, finding an alternative means of representation.
0: Across national boundaries, working-class people from around Latin America have gravitated to Cumbia. Despite discouragement and lack of support, the music has thrived.
3: In other words, all these forsaken groups, what they're trying to celebrate is, there's another way of being national. And it doesn't have to go through the government. And this is my way. Just as it happened in the Colombian case, because after all, Cumbia came from a region that was despised by the central government, by the elite of the country, and ironically took over the whole country. So it happens in other latitudes and corners of Latin America.
0: And there you have it. Before we go, let's hear one more song. This one is from Sabo and Cassidy, a duo that mixes classic cumbia with elements of hip-hop and electronic music. They are part of the Nueva Cumbia movement that has been making noise recently. To find out more, we have a program all about new cumbia archived on our website. This is La Curura. Sabo and Cassidy, we just heard La Curura. <tries> oh, yeah. Baila la cum, yeah. Thanks to Hector Fernandez Loeste, Kathy Raglan, Pablo Villa, Yo, la Jace la, la, la. Clayton, Gecko I Jones, I Olivier I Conor, have... Jones, Olivier Conan. Jose Carvalho, Francisco Flores, Jessica Baldarema, and Amanda Veroff for their help with this program. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Marlon Bishop, a.k.a. Marlonius Funk. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn by Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan and Alistair Sim. Banning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Ben Richmond, and I'm Georges Collinet.